All right, guys, welcome back. This is Edna Zoe with Sex Psycho Love and Me, the podcast. We're a podcast that shares people's stories about their journeys with love, relationships, and everything in between. Very excited for tonight's guest. Um, please, everybody, welcome Shauna Ruda. Thank you for being here. How are you? I'm great. Hey. I'm excited to be here with you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm like tripping over my words tonight. It's been a long day, but I'm happy to be here and grateful that you're sharing your story with us. Grateful to be here. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Whatever you want to share. Yes. Uh, my name is Shauna Ruda, and I am a mental health therapist here in Colorado. I like to think of myself as a fierce champion for my clients. I try to work really collaboratively to address barriers to sex and intimacy, anxiety, depression, and significant life transitions. And I work with a really wide range of ages and I love what I do. And I am also a heteronormative Jewish white cisgender woman that really enjoys and loves consensual sex. I love that. That's all beautiful. (laughs) That's great. Thank you so much. I'm going to just like, because I love it when this comes up when somebody introduces themselves with their pronouns, but I've never heard someone do heteronormative uh, I've heard cisgender. Can you just describe a little bit more of the heteronormative? Is that yes, I, I, something I can ask you? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I really like men. Um, uh-huh. I have never, like, you know, people always say that there's, like, a spectrum of sexuality. Like, you know, people tend to fall in, like, bi, bi curious. Mm-hmm. I have never been interested in women. Um, I really like the male form. And um, I think in our world, like normative, and I put this in quotes, is like, you know, male, female, Mm -hmm. men, woman relationship. And so, um, yeah, I like dudes. Awesome. So do I. (laughs) Well, that's something I, yeah, I learned something every day. So that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. You want to just dive in and tell me a little bit about your your story, like what it's been like for you? Yeah. Um, so I will I will focus on my sex story versus love story because mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about women, particularly um, being open about sex. Um, yes. I think there's not a lot of platforms to do that. So thank no. you for this. I'm excited. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I love to talk about. So yes, bring it on. Yay. Um, so I think my sex story really starts at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my period that year. So fun. I was yeah. shopping in a large um, home supply store and, <laughs> um, you know, got my period in the bathroom there. And then um, at the age of 10, I went through like all of puberty at a very young age. Um, And it made me really, really uncomfortable in my own skin. Like people constantly thought that I was a twin to my older sister. She was five years older than me. When you're adult, that's Mm. not really a big deal. But when you're 11 and your sister is 16, it is. And it was this like super strange thing of Mm. older guys noticing me because I had Uh. like, huge boobs for a little 10 year old body, like F cups. Um, 
And people in my own class would make fun of me or would react mm. to my body in super awkward ways because I was different. Um, and I should also say that like simultaneous to this like super awkward mm-hmm. physical experience, I grew up in a house that was really body affirming yeah. and my parents like shout out to you, mom. Yeah. Um, in particular, like they were really good about answering questions about mm-hmm. sex. And like, I remember my mom, like coming home to what's happening to my body book for girls on mm-hmm. my bed and like her giving me cosmopolitan magazines. And then we would have conversations about the things that I was reading. And so like, mm-hmm. it was a really awkward experience paired with like a really healthy conversation at yeah. home. And I think that set the stage later in life to be comfortable with it but even so I felt super uncomfortable I ended up having an eating disorder throughout Mm. high school I did not like the body that I was in um and I eventually got a breast reduction going into college which is still one of the best decisions I ever made um but like I was not comfortable in my body and what was it like I mean you said that you at home were kind of given this you know, sex positivity, embrace your body type of um, environment. But then when you went to school, it was very different. Like, could you tell the difference between you and the other kids besides it being the physical difference? Yeah. And like, one of the weird things is that I went to a small private Jewish day school. And so I think in different religious settings, there's always this like, you know, kind of resistance to talk about Mm -hmm. sex before marriage or even like sex that is outside of we're going to make babies and reproduce. Um, And so there was definitely this really big contrast. And, and also like I was the youngest of my cousins on my mom's side and there were 10 of us. And so like, Mm -hmm. I was always around older kids and older people and that reinforced it. And so like, there was definitely a big difference, but again, like I really, I give a lot of props to my mom and and both of my parents. My parents were very like publicly Mm -hmm. affectionate in ways that like, let us all know that it was okay to like hold hands and it was okay to like hug. And it was okay to like, it was, it was nice to hear my, dad provide like body affirming statements Mm. to my mom and like that was all a really healthy positive framework that's awesome and very rare you know yeah very rare yeah um so with your eating disorder how what changed with that like is that part of the next part of your life yeah I mean so in general I think body image is probably something that we all (laughs) struggle. It's a lifelong struggle, but I will say that like a huge and pivotal moment for me um, was studying abroad in Ghana. Mm -hmm. My sophomore year of college, I was in a program where you just integrate into the campus at University of Ghana. And the majority of my friends there were either Ghanaian or Nigerian. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the body conversations that were had there were about respect and reverence for bodies that were full and fed. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed, and maybe it was my age at that time, that like no one was calling out my Mm -hmm. body in the ways that people were calling Mm -hmm. it out when I was growing up, except for like the obvious difference in a West African country being a white woman. Um, 
And during that time, I ended up dating a really nice Nigerian dude. Shout out to Gabriel. (laughs) Um, He was fun, respectful, and confident about sex. And he made me feel so sexy and seen. And of course, it was like all consensual. And suddenly, like, all of the parts of myself that I had always been made fun of for growing up were the parts that like he found really desirable and Mm. in turn I found really desirable and we turned each other on and it was this like huge shift in both undoing some of North American or U.S. society's Mm -hmm. perception of whatever beautiful is and also understanding I could enjoy and love sex. Yeah. So it seems like it's very different uh, as opposed to like date. Had you already started dating before you went and was it, could you tell the difference? I, I had started dating Um, in high school. I had a boyfriend that was significantly older than me. He was Mm -hmm. actually like a friend of my sister's. Okay. And so like, while he was also a very nice, respectful, wonderful human um, who's still friends with my sister to this day, like, for me, I think at the time it reinforced that I was some, like, <laughs> some, you know, little gal in an older woman's body, and that mm-hmm. felt really weird. Um, and so, like, I, looking back at that experience, I became a therapist because I really want other people to embrace the pieces of themselves that are really hard to love and like this is not rocket science but I'm gonna just state it directly our self-image and lived experiences directly impact sex intimacy and connection and so I want everyone to see themselves as desirable sexy and worthy of pleasure but why do you think people don't talk about it enough? Like, if it's this amazing thing that I, you and I both know it is, there's just so much shame around it. That like, why is it not something that we want for ourselves? Yeah, I mean, I think, and <clears throat> with all respect to to every religion, because I I am attached to my religion and I do believe that mm-hmm. like spirituality and religion provides us with um, a lot of like a lot of food for the soul Mm -hmm. in times when we need it most like I think some religious norms make it shameful Mm -hmm. I think that we are uncomfortable with what we don't know yeah I think that for whatever reason um things that bring us pleasure can be scary for people Mm -hmm. and like also there's this thought that like doing things in excess that provide us with pleasure can be dangerous and can be scary and can get out of control and like I definitely have clients where I see the other side of that where there's Mm -hmm. like really intense porn addiction or there's sex addiction that impacts relationships and so I think sometimes the shame and like the the bad that can come from it overshadows the Mm -hmm. good yeah do you mind um if we kind of go off 
to the questions that you got yeah, on Instagram because I think and then we can go back to yes. what we're doing now because yes. I am curious because we're on the topic of sex um uh thank you Shauna you did reach out to some of your followers just to get some more information to discuss some of the the topics that they wanted to know a little bit more about. So totally. um, I'm going to take advantage of this because I think this is great that yes. people want to know more. And we've talked about body image and intimacy. Well, what would you say about in- intimacy when it comes to body image? Uh, do they go hand in hand? Like, yeah. Well, one of the things I'll say, and we were, we were talking about this, mm-hmm. is like trauma can be hugely mm-hmm. impactful. in terms of the ways that we see our bodies Mm -hmm. um and I think sometimes without even realizing this and we should probably put a warning um prior to prior to like playing this that we're going to be talking about some some trauma um like sexual assault and sexual violence Mm -hmm. is such an affecting Mm -hmm. experience um and I think for a lot of people, that loss of control or that sexualized, pure sexualization, non, non-consensual mm-hmm. um, violence perpetrated against a body mm. can really be damaging. And so like one thing I'll say about body image and intimacy is that partners need to be sensitive to that. Yeah. And like... Mm-hmm. And, and, and people should dig into those experiences and know that like you, can, you almost cannot exit those experiences unscathed in terms of your relationship oh, with your body. 100%, yeah. um, and so like the first thing that comes to mind is like a lot of body image challenges. Unfortunately, this was not the case for me growing mm-hmm. up, but a lot of body image challenges have to do with something that people can't even control. Yeah. have to do with something that they didn't even choose like unfairly used for the pleasure or for the mm-hmm. for the desire of another person can be really damaging and so I just want to say to all those people out there who have been through those experiences know that like there are mental health professionals that want to hold you and support you yeah definitely and also to the partners out there of people who've been through those experiences, like be gentle with those bodies. That's another kind of good segue into my next question. Like, when do you know, when do you share that with somebody that mm-hmm. you want to either, um, I guess, get vulnerable with? And I feel like that can happen in any phase in a relationship, whether it's early on or eventually. Like, how do you bring that up? Or does that conversation even need to happen if it's, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, depending on where you are in your journey with it, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm all about giving people autonomy in choice mm-hmm. over communication around these things. What I'll say is that I definitely think that people have a sense of who safe people are and who they aren't. And I think mm-hmm. I think sometimes that gets confusing. But what I always say to people who are in relationships where they don't know how to move forward is mm-hmm. check in with your body. Ah, there you go. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel your stomach sinking when somebody walks in a room? 
Do you need a substance before you see someone? Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel like you don't have to worry or have to like, do you feel a sense of peace and calm mm -hmm. in your soul when a person is in your presence? Mm -hmm. And once we're in tune with our bodies and like mm -hmm. once we know if a person allows us to feel peaceful and safe, I think that that's an invitation to ourselves. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. Or did you want to say something? Well, I also just, I also just want to say that even without trauma yeah. in this society, I think again, we are all susceptible to body image challenges oh, and like for those people out there that just like are not comfortable in their own skin or mm. are like the type of people that feel like they have to keep their clothes on in the bedroom or feel uncomfortable with mm -hmm. their partner, like touching their body. Um, that is really hard. Yeah. And I just, I think that sometimes we beat ourselves up over that stuff, but mm. I'm a firm believer that with the right person, um, and and with like the right comfort level and work on ourselves, like we can we can move through that. And I also think that like nobody should be pressured to do the things that they don't want to do. Yeah. So um, it does impact intimacy. And I think the right yeah. partner won't make anybody feel less than for it. But it does get better. So it certainly got better for me. Yeah. It certainly it's getting I, better for me 100%. Yeah. Like I can definitely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Another topic that was also brought up is just. Oh, well, we kind of already went over that. The pace of communicating sexual. Oh, no, this is sexual desire. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. To a, so, yeah, pace of communicating sexual desires to a long-term partner, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, again, this is, like, one of those things where you got to be, you got to check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that I, I can, I will speak from my experience and not as, like, a mental health professional. Like, mm -hmm. I am now in a committed, committed monogamous relationship and, like, I think one of the best parts of this relationship is that we really know how to have fun with each other and like how to let loose. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't just mean sexually. Mm -hmm. I think like we know how to laugh and, and bring joy into each other's lives. And I think that that like immediately when I saw that, that allowed me to be comfortable communicating mm -hmm. what I like in bed too. Um, and so like, I think one of the things is like, can you have fun with somebody and mm -hmm. can you, are you able to like be yourself with somebody? Um, and this isn't like a timeline. I think it's like, for me, I have been with partners with whom I have never fully felt like I could be my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And in two or three year relationships, I never brought up what I wanted to do in the bedroom, mm -hmm. but like, with this person, I feel like I can be my authentic self. And That's along awesome. with that comes the ability to like express what I want to do in the bedroom. And um, so, yeah, I think like the fun and the trust and, 
and also the knowledge that he's not like some dude that's going to go and like talk about our mm-hmm. intimate lives with everyone else, even though I'm doing this on a podcast. <laughs> um, that makes me feel safe. That makes me feel good. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what the podcast is about. But. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, is that something do you think um for couples that are just trying to spice up a relationship mm-hmm. like where should they start mm. um where do you bring up that topic and how do you bring it into the bedroom yes well yeah yeah that's a good question i really love this book called for better i'm forgetting who the author is but i reference it a ton and they did a ton of research on um yeah, I want to like look up the author and stuff, but um, she did a ton of like scientific research on just couples and relationships mm-hmm. and what makes successful relationships. And it's also like a really optimistic view. Mm-hmm. Like they argue, she argues that like the divorce rate is actually going down and that like monogamy and commitment is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that like monogamy has to be the way we, we will probably talk about polyamory but like so it's like it's a really interesting view one of one of the research items that I like remember the Mm -hmm. most in the book is that um it turns out that both men and women in married couples or in committed relationships want each other Mm -hmm. to be the instigators of something sexual Uh. um and they want their partner to bring it up. And I think this is again, where like the gender dynamic comes mm-hmm. into play where like maybe some women feel uncomfortable talking yeah. to their partners about here's what I want in sex. But like the book argues, like there is nothing sexier for a man, generally speaking yeah. um, in a relationship than their committed partner being like, here's what I want in the bedroom. I want to instigate this. Like Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to try this. Like there is nothing sexier than that on both ends. Mm -hmm. So I think the conversation is hard if it's not the norm. And also I think people out there can feel fairly optimistic Mm -hmm. that talking about sex and wanting to spice up a sex life and and like desiring each other um, it's always a positive thing. Right. I agree. Always positive. So polyamory, do you, what do you know about it? And what do I know about it? What I know about it is that, um, I have a lot of friends who mm. are polyamorous. It's, it is essentially, I mean, in its definition, it is right. The like ability to love with more, love more than one person. Mm-hmm. And like, it works very differently in different relationships. Um, in some cases, like there is one primary partner, mm-hmm. like generally with my friends, there's one primary partner who is like the life mate or the committed partner. Um, and then in the ways that it works in the relationships that I have is that there are agreements that are made around like where where people are allowed to develop and build relationships and or have sex, like you know, sort of like limitations and parameters that are put around the relationship that I think allow in the case of the relationships with friends that I have, like the primary partner to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And in, in, in a lot of cases, I think it's about providing 
first of all, it's generally with people I know that do have the capacity to love like yeah. endlessly, oh, wow. um, which I think is a really beautiful that thing. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm really impressed by like, by the transparency and the honesty. Right. Mm. And like, this is, this is also an opportunity for me to share. Like it is not polyamory if you are in a committed monogamous relationship and like exactly. you have set the rules that you are both committed and this is your primary partner and you are not getting sex or love anywhere, like romantic yeah. sex and love anywhere mm-hmm. else. Um, but in the case of the relationships that I've been able to witness, like mm-hmm. there's a really deep trust of the primary partners in each other that like they're going to be transparent and they're going to, they're going to provide like parameters such as like, I, I have a, a friend couple who's married, like they allow their partner to like, they have an agreement that they can go and explore, mm-hmm. but nobody can bring the other person back into the home. Is that considered an open marriage too? Or is that I think something they consider it an open marriage. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's an, I, I would be, I am not the expert. In right. Polyamory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're in a polyamory <laughs> relationship, please DM yes, me. And let's yes. Talk. I, Bring a polyamorous person. All the respect, all the respect and love to, to people out there who feel yeah. that they have the capacity to, to be expansive in their love and trust. And, you know, we're getting, bolder and braver about these conversations and having them and learning more. I've learned so much just tonight. And it's, you know, if we don't have these conversations, you really don't know like the different ways people are experiencing love in their life. And I think that's super important because it is something we all want at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, especially like if you're in a committed relationship and it's something that you want to grow mm-hmm. and uh, grow as partners one of the questions that also came up is like how do you normalize growing that relationship not only as a whole but like also in the bedroom like yeah. bringing up things that uh, for example they wanted to know how do you normalize watching porn together as a couple like because porn has a huge stigma of mm-hmm. being everything uh so many so many bad things but yeah also great yeah porn there's nothing wrong with porn and um again there's so many different sides to that yeah Yeah. I think what's coming up for me is trust Mm -hmm. is like this deep building of trust that first of all if you're communicating a sexual desire and need that your partner is not going to make you feel bad about it I get a lot of I get a lot of people who, you know, come downstairs in their lingerie asking their partner for sex. And this kind of goes against what I was just saying, but like person, other person is so tired that like all they want to do is play on their Xbox. And it's like, that's an extremely vulnerable thing that your partner is reaching out for something. And like, Whatever it is, even if the other person is not responding positively to it, like to to put your body out there, mm-hmm. to put your desires out there, to put to put an ask out there yeah. to a partner is a completely vulnerable thing. 
And you have to have trust in that person that they're not going to make you feel silly or stupid or weird. Like there has to be fundamental trust in the relationship. And like all the things that I said before about, you know, being able to express it. And that in most cases, like it's a positive thing that I should have said that like that assumes that in those relationships, there is a healthy, bountiful amount of trust. Mm. Um, so I think you can normalize all the things in the world that you want. Um, and it can definitely be a conversation. You have to feel like you can trust the person Mm -hmm. to bring that up, um, and not trust the person in a year or five years, but like trust the person right now. I think the other thing is that people, tend to like fantasize about what their partner might be or could mm. be in the future. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. I've all done that. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have all done that. Yes. It's like, okay. But eventually he's gonna X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, this is now like mm-hmm. this person is who they are now. A really great indicator of who the person is going to be in the future is what they've done in the past. Oh, yes. Um, and so, like I say all of this to say that if a person has made you feel uncomfortable for bringing these things up in the past, mm-hmm. or if a person does not, does not have your trust, it's going to be a tougher conversation. Mm. Do you think uh, for couples that have been in, in a relationship for quite a, a long time that maybe they started off hot and heavy, mm-hmm. they did all the things, mm-hmm. they were comfortable with their sexuality, mm-hmm. and then it just ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's always like a shift in something, somebody's life to do that. But mm-hmm. is that where you go back to starting over? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I'm like a purely scientific level. Um, And this is not considering like external factors in a relationship, like- And there's so many factors, guys, yeah. Or um, the loss of a job or like things that can make people feel quote unquote unsexy along the way. But like Mm -hmm. the, the scientific sort of like weird heteronormative thing that happens is that like, men have this like huge increase in testosterone and libido in their 20s they are like let's go Mm -hmm. and women um and this could change with evolution who knows yeah like women in their 20s are very i was not this way but but science says that women in their 20s are much more particular about their sexual partners and they actually have less of a, a sex drive and then it totally crosses where because like women in their 20s are like calculated about fertility they mm-hmm. want to find their uh, gene partner okay then the like insane thing is that in 30s it totally crosses where like men's testosterone starts to go down mm-hmm. and women are like eh, i'm 30 now and f the having a baby which i know is not <laughs> the case but like yeah. and their sex drive goes up Ah, and so there's this like crisscross of like as women are aging we tend to scientifically become more sexual Mm -hmm. and more open and men are like i'm using testosterone um so like things to pay attention to 
like how are the testosterone levels? Mm. Like there are lots of supplements. There's lots of things that like are, you know, offered today (laughs) to to ensure that like the sex drive is kept um, and is there and is healthy. Um, And like the other thing that I will say is like, as there are more distractions, like Mm -hmm. being present in the bedroom becomes harder. Mm. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Like you have a crying child or Mm. like you're worried about the health of your mother or like there's all of these distractions. And so finding ways to like, assuming you're still attracted physically to your partner, um, finding ways to like stay focused on each other in the bedroom, whether that's, you know, living out unlived, unfulfilled fantasies or like dirty talk or finding different sensitive spots on the body or experimenting with new moves or like literally just being so present with your partner that you are like saying to yourself what is happening every step of the way in the bedroom. Like those are all important things to make sure that you're still getting what you want as those those distractions and different like sexual hormones are shifting and changing oh you just shared so much uh so much greatness like I hope all of you guys out there got something out of this because I definitely feel like I learned a lot tonight and I'm sure we'll probably keep talking after but um I know you also had a couple of just some tidbits and facts about orgasms and intimacy. Yeah. Did you want to share those? And then we'll kind of play a game. So I don't take all your night from you. Yeah. I mean, what I will just say is that, and I think this is becoming more and more common knowledge, but I'll put it out there. Like almost 80% of women don't orgasm from penetrative sex. And I think like not so long ago, women were like, what the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. But like only 20% of us orgasm from, from penetrative sex. And so like the toral stimulation or like other stimulation, like, you know, finding, finding the spot on your body that drives Educate you yourself. Your yeah. is super important. And it is not, there is nothing wrong with you women out there like not deriving pleasure in the same way that men do like that is normal um and like I said before and I just want to emphasize and like maybe close here like every single person out there deserves to see themselves as desirable sexy and worthy of pleasure amen yes I agree you're all beautiful, sexy, definitely Ooh. worth it. Yes. Um, so always keep that in mind. Keep repeating it to yourself. Do you believe it? Cause it's, I do that all the time. I'm like, yes, and yes. I'm worth it. I deserve it. It's going to be great. And I love sex and I love pleasure, which is another quick thing we didn't really talk about as women pleasuring themselves yes. and really getting to know their own yes. bodies. Highly recommend it. Yes. Um, I'm sure that could be another show, but definitely <laughs> something that, I think is important, especially in your relationships is knowing your own body, going back to that whole, like knowing how you feel when, you know, just knowing your body in every way. And I think exploring it, um, your, your sexuality is super important. Yes. 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 Let's do it.
All right, let me play a quick game with you and then move on. I feel like I've been taking your whole night. No. Uh, so this so is a fun. quickie. Oh, I learned so much. I kind of feel like this little kid. And I feel like I'm like, there's so many questions I had. And, and, and you know, like, I know I'm not the only one that, you know, has those questions. So if there's more that you want to know, I will bring Shana back and we'll just talk some more about some stuff. And just always know that it's something, you know, sex, relationships, love, everything. It's, it's such a, a complex thing that even whatever we do say, if it's not relatable, I'm sure there's something you can take away from this episode or something that, um, you know, you can carry with you either going into the next relationship. And uh, yeah, I, I really am grateful that you're here to have this conversation with us. So, so fun. Let's dive in. All right. Are you a top or a bottom? Bottom. <laughs> Do you prefer a fun date or an expensive gift? Fun date. Uh, watch erotica or read it? Read it. Okay. Do you prefer that your partner reads your mind or that he gives you a compliment every day? Ooh, gives me a compliment every day. Impossible to read my mind. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in my mind. <laughs> Do you prefer a smart partner or a funny partner? Smart. Sex Even in? though mine's funny. Uh-huh. Oh, well, and smart. Bonus. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sex indoors or sex outdoors? Indoors. Do you prefer to watch porn or make a sex tape? Ooh, make a sex tape. Hey. <laughs> Fetish or fantasy? Fantasy. Would you rather someone watch you have sex or hear you have sex? Watch me. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, you are making a sex date. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you prefer a kiss every day or a hug every day? Ooh, kiss. Um, beach or mountains? Oh, gosh. That's so hard. <laughs> I'm tearing down my soul. Beach. Beach. <laughs> Rich or famous? Rich. Netflix and chill or tickets to a concert? Mm, tickets to a concert. Morning sex or right before bed? Sex? Morning, hundred yeah. percent. I feel like it's just like bursts of energy. Well, our like body chemicals, our pheromones, because uh-huh. we've been like sitting in them and sleeping in them. Uh huh. Like our chemicals are real strong in the morning. Ah, so okay. If you are connected to the person you're with, it's like whoosh, pheromone uh, explosion. You just feel it. I love yeah. it. That's yeah. so hot. Yeah. So, um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing all your uh, wonderful knowledge and your experiences with us. And please come back anytime. Yay. Thanks, guys. Please tune in for another episode next week. And if you are wanting to share your journey, please DM me on Instagram at sexpsycholoveandme. Thanks. Thank you.